0: Okay, so this is our final session of the day, but tomorrow, of course, we will do a Q&A during the first session, and then we'll close out with a message during the worship hour, uh, which is essentially uh, chapter 11 in the book on how to avoid deception, but I'll, it'll be, you know, presented more as a message from God's Word, um, and so I hope you'll come back tomorrow for that, and I hope you'll stick around tonight, today, after the, this session, and i uh, be glad to kind of hang out at the table for a bit and say hello. Uh, as I mentioned, I've got several topics that I really toyed with getting into in this last session, um, and hopefully the ones I chose will be of interest to you, um, and if not, just remember you, know, you can check out uh, the table of contents in the book and see if there's other topics that you think uh, might be of interest. Uh, for those of you uh, live streaming, uh, remember you can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and you can see uh, the preface there. Uh, read the entire preface to the book as well as look at um, the table of contents there if you're not here where you can pick up a book and thumb through it. Uh, just want to mention since this is our last session, we do have quite a few other resources out there at the table. On the far end of the table are books uh, and, and, and things that I've written about uh, doctrine of salvation and grace and the gospel, things like Freely by His Grace or Getting the Gospel Wrong or the Gospel Unplugged or the new book that I mentioned, Top 10 Reasons, uh, Some People Go to Hell. Uh, so check those out. We have some DVDs out there. Uh, all of the DVDs that you see out there are also available by stream. My wife, Wendy, may have mentioned that at the table, but I know not everybody has DVD players anymore and we're kind of phasing those out. But if you see a DVD, that you think you'd be interested, but you'd rather just have the streaming, you can let her know, and then we'll send you the link to it, uh, and you can purchase it that way. But uh, appreciate so much uh, the the feedback and the questions. Um, You know, one of the questions that keeps coming up uh, between sessions is this idea of voting. And, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, what I would say there is, uh, if you feel like in your particular district that the votes are Uh, not rigged and that they're clearly handled well and and tracked and you have the chain of custody and it's not digitally tabulated where you can literally count on the fact that your vote's counting, then you absolutely should vote. Uh, It's the only way we're going to make a difference if we get to have our voice heard. But sadly, most places now use digital tabulation machines and once it went digital, there's absolutely no way to control it. And so I think you need to do your own research. Two great documentaries that when I talk about this in our in, in, in conferences uh, I always put up on the screen, uh, but we're not covering that topic here, so I'll just mention them verbally, and that is uh, Hacking Democracy is a great documentary, or Black Box Voting is a great documentary. There's also a book by the same name. Uh, but there's plenty of documented research out there to kind of show you how easily it is for them to manipulate the votes. Again, if they can hack into the NSA servers, they can clearly hack into these voting uh, machines. And so, um, I think just basically do your research and if you're confident in your vote, uh, then great, you should vote. But if you feel, if you're also confident as I am in most cases that it's clearly not legitimate, then why would you make a fool out of yourself by pretending to do something that's really of no value, you know? Uh, so that's my, my answer to that question. Um, uh, other than that, I've had a lot of people ask me about uh, COVID-19 and the vaccines and Big Pharma and all that. That's the biggest, most powerful section in the book, chapter 9, 50 pages. I pull no punches. I actually call out a lot of evangelical leaders and others, who've, uh, some of whom I've shared the platform with, uh, and some of the things that they say. I also talk extensively about the ingredients. Uh, Everything, all the resources are cited, uh, sources are cited. Uh, so if that's, uh, I chose not to deal with that explicitly in a session here, uh, but I know it's an important issue and it's a key part of their agenda, you need, to, you need to read that chapter. It talks about the smoking gun evidence of the pre-planned nature of it. It gets into great detail about the ingredients and the dangers of them, the, the vaccine adverse event reporting system and all of that, data, military, um, all of that. So I encourage you to check that out. So I guess the best way to title this last session, as you see on the screen there, is it's not about what it's about. Um, that's just a summary statement of the fact that we've been deceived in so many ways. And you know, again, we've talked about how the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And that's, the, you know, that's God's Word telling us that. We've been told that many Antichrists have come and that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the world. So that being the case, uh, it shouldn't surprise us then that we've been deceived in so many ways. So I want to talk about the Hegelian dialectic. You've heard me uh, refer to it, uh, but what really is this Hegelian dialectic? Uh, Well, obviously, George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel was a German philosopher who, along with Immanuel Kant, was probably one of the most fundamental figures of modern Western thought, and uh, his influence covered a broad range of philosophical issues, but it's named after him, uh, often called problem, reaction, solution or thesis, antithesis, synthesis, uh, also known as divide and conquer or uh, controlled opposition. There are a lot of different spin-offs of this philosophical thought, but it's a key uh, way that the Luciferians advance their agenda. So the synthetic solution to these conflicts can't be introduced unless those being manipulated take a side that will advance the predetermined agenda. So in other words, you have an agenda and you you want to get people to embrace that agenda. So what do you do? Well, you think about how could we get them to do that? Well, let's create or manufacture a problem that we can easily anticipate what the response is gonna be And, and that response really allows us to then move forward with our agenda. So, for example, getting if them to want to do it. right, yeah, you're basically getting them to want to do it rather than by force. So, let's say you want uh, people to give up all of their rights of personal freedom and privacy. You want to do away with much of the Bill of Rights, and you want people to to, to willingly surrender their right to privacy and all of that. Well, let's just create this boogeyman and convince everybody that they're in danger and that they need to give up their rights so we can save them. And so you create a manufactured terror event and everybody says, oh my goodness, we've got to get this boogeyman, please save us from the boogeyman, whatever it takes. Well, okay, can I listen into to all your phone conversations without a warrant? Okay, if that's what it takes. Uh, can I track everything on your cell phone? Absolutely, if that's what it takes. Can I do this, can I do that? Absolutely, whatever it takes, please save us from the boogeyman, okay. And then Congress signs the Patriot Act. That's just kind of the way it works. Patriot Act, by the way, several hundred pages that were written well before 9-11. Strange how that happens sometimes. But uh, that's the Hegelian dialectic in a nutshell. So you know, again, it's often called thesis, antithesis, uh, th- synthesis. So if we wanna shut down the truth movement of alt media, well, we've gotta, you know, create this fake news outcry. Oh, man, fake news, it's killing people, like that article we read from Forbes magazine a moment ago. Um, well, we've got to, then the answer to that is we've got to have some controlling group that's going to be able to fact check, right? And that will end, end up leading us to our predetermined agenda all along, which is the removal of free speech. So you see how that works? Um, or, um, Here's another way to put it, a framework for guiding thoughts and actions into conflicts that lead to synthetic solutions which can only be introduced once those being manipulated take a side that will advance the predetermined agenda. So again, it's often called controlled opposition. So you know, as I've said many times, um, and you know, you, some of you have commented on it at the breaks, the, the fake left-right paradigm is, is an agenda. We read about that from uh, Carol Quigley's works and we've seen several references to it. They're just kinda coming at it from different angles. So a classic example would be the official right-wing position is anti-welfare. But when you stop back and think about it, no, let's be more accurate. The official right-wing position is anti-individual welfare, but pro-corporate welfare. We'll bail out the banks, we'll bail out the automakers, we'll give trillions to the corporate elite for free of your tax dollars. But the poor fellow strung out on meth on the street, now he just needs to be hauled off and sent to a prison island, you know. So they create these false dichotomies, but really philosophically, there's not really much difference, right? There is on paper, absolutely there is on paper. You know, it, it really was on paper that the RNC wanted to abolish the Department of Ed. The problem is they never do what they say they're gonna do. <laughs> The abolish Roe v. I mean, we're six to three right now, allegedly. I mean, I, you know my view. I believe they're all controlled, and I think I can prove that. But let's just go with the official narrative. Official narratives were six to three conservatives on the Supreme Court. Or what is it now? Five to four? Anyway, yeah. so I think it's five to four because they just got the new one on uh, the lady who uh, can give you a definition of. A, of a yeah, but she was. She replaced another liberal. Yeah, she. Yeah, she replaced. Uh, yeah, I think it's six to three. I mean we all know people are waking up to the fact that all of these so-called conservatives who everyone cheers for and says you gotta vote Republican because he's he or she's gonna appoint justices. Of course then they get in there and you know like John Roberts for example yeah. when he was put on you know I had people tell me oh man I'm so glad you know we got John Roberts on. I'm like, Have you read about him? Because you can go online and you can read the case studies. He worked for the number one firm in America defending LGBT rights, that's who he worked for. He worked personally on a lot of cases. He was pro-gay as you can be. So it shouldn't surprise us the way he voted. It didn't surprise me at all. But Fox News told us he was a conservative. And so he must be conservative, right? Uh, But anyway, you know, whatever it is, the point is with that majority, why isn't it a fait accompli that we destroy War v. Wade? It should have been like the next day Okay, but these ju- justices, they don't care about that. They're, it aren't, it's not about that, you know. That's why, you know, we're worse off today than we were 10 years ago, even though we've had plenty of opportunities with the Gingrich Revolution, with the Tea Party Revolution. We've had plenty of opportunities with majority of Republicans in both houses of Congress, the White House, and now the Supreme Court, and yet nothing ever changes. Um, But it's called controlled opposition. So they they love to get people listening to, you know, the Tucker Carlson's or the Bill O'Reilly's or the uh, uh, Glenn Beck's, you know, that they use for a while. And again, what they're saying, we like, we're happy, we're proud of it. We think, yeah, it resonates with me. I agree with that statement, right? But we don't understand that they're just doing that to string us along. Sometimes the controlled opposition is in on it. Sometimes they're not. I've got friends that have done interviews on Fox News or CNN and you know, where they have these talking heads where this is the representative of the right wing and this is the representative of the left wing and they're going at each other like boxers in a ring and you're an idiot and you're stupid and no, oh, this is right and how could you be so stupid and then, and then they say they cut to break and then off camera they're all high-fiving each other, oh, good one, you're great, let's go get a drink afterwards and man, how's my sister doing that you married yesterday, you know, that kind of stuff, right? There's no, it's all fake, it's all fake. It's literally fake. So sometimes there's that, but sometimes the people that are espousing the view of the controlled opposition really believe it, and they're passionate about it, and they, you know, think, man, you you can, uh, you know, I'm I'm, get, I'm ha- I have a voice, so I'll take it, and, and good for them. I don't fault them for that, and, uh, and but yet oh, they'll be short-lived. Eventually, when they're done using them as the controlled opposition, they'll create a scandal, either real or fake. They'll expose something. They'll Somehow they'll get fired. That's what happened with a lot of these guys. So it's, uh, it's all part of a you know, what's called the Hegelian dialectic. We provide a problem, you provide a reaction, together we provide the solution. Uh, so here's another one. Again, the solution though was a predetermined goal. Uh, let's say we want to put in place a global tracking system. Well, let's manufacture a pandemic so that everybody will be scared out of their wits and they will, you know, happily accept contact tracing. They'll happily download the apps and tell the government where they are every step of the way or sign a pad as they go to a restaurant, put their phone number down, and uh, happily give up their individual rights so they can end up with full-spectrum planetary control, a prison planet. So again, it's, it's seldom about what it's about. Uh, sometimes it's about what it's about. I, I used to always say all the time, it's never about what it's about, but I realized, yeah, it's, you should not speak in extremes because sometimes it's about what it's about. You know, sometimes a building really does burn down because of some faulty wiring and people die. I mean, that's just, organic things happen. <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, more often than not, there's more to the story, you know, as uh, Paul Harvey would say. Um, So I want to go back to these Brzezinski quotes, but highlight another word that you see, and that is gradual. You see that come up a lot. Um, While the Luciferians are eager to accomplish their end game, and they get giddy at times when they see the end in sight, like right now, they also understand that they're at a disadvantage because, well, they're not God. and God is all-powerful, so they know they're at a disadvantage, so they, they have to play the long game and they have to be patient. And so you see them referring to this like, like here when he talks about the gradual convergence of Easter rest or the gradual appearance of a more uh, controlled society. Pat Miller, uh, who's uh, from Colorado, in her novel, Willfully Ignorant, uh, put it this way, the best way to take control over a people and to control them utterly is to take a, a little of their freedom at a time to erode rights by a thousand tiny, almost imperceptible reductions. In this way, the people will not see those rights and freedoms being removed until past the point at which these changes cannot be reversed. James uh, or Dresden James put it this way, when a well-packaged web of lies has been sold gradually to the masses over generations, the truth will seem utterly preposterous and its speaker a raving lunatic. Right? And this next cartoon I, I put in here after the break because I thought, wasn't gonna use it, but I thought based on some of the comments and questions, I'm gonna use it. It's my last session almost anyway, so what, what's uh pastor gonna do, tell me not to come back tomorrow? <laughs> but, uh, but this is an example of what I mean by that gradual. You know, here's going back to the pandemic. I draw the line, no mask, that's where I draw the line. And then, mm, all right, I'll wear a mask. No mandatory vaccine, that's where I draw the line. Mm, okay, a biometric digital chip, that's where I draw the line. And then they show the guy just getting on the FEMA Camp Express. So, you know, everybody does have to decide where they're gonna draw the line, but what happens is it's incrementalism. It's incrementalism. So I wanna talk now about, as promised, this idea of geoengineering. And this is the one that uh, I think when I had asked for a show of hands, most of you had not uh, studied before or heard about, so I hope that's the case, because really what brings me the greatest uh, joy and satisfaction is knowing that I'm exposing people to information they maybe haven't studied before, and hopefully they can, you can study it and validate it on your own. But let's uh, return to some geoengineering quotes from our friend Klaus, who said in his new book that just came out this year, just a couple months ago, whether one approves of the idea or not, geoengineering, also called climate engineering, that's his parenthesis, is a feast of imagination. In other words, there's nothing we can't accomplish through this. It consists in intervening deliberately and on a large scale in the Earth's climate system. Deliberately and on a large scale. You'll see what I mean in a minute. He said, this mammoth idea that would have seemed incongruous, if not unimaginable just a few decades ago, is now a serious, although radical, option to stave off a possible climate catastrophe. So, what is geoengineering? And I've been researching and talking about this for more than ten years. Uh, and early on, I was met with all kinds of resistance, snickers, nervous laughs. One case, I even had my uh, presentation edited uh, so that uh, they took cut out the geoengineering part. It was it was uh, after the conference, you know, they always create DVDs and then I can get some and I can make them available through Not By Works. And so uh, I had, someone had called our ministry, 1-800 number and said, hey, do you have anything on geoengineering? I said, yeah, I get into it in such and such a DVD. So they bought it and got it. And then they emailed me back sometime later and said, I thought you said that had geoengineering in it. I said, yeah, there's a whole section. And they said, no, I, I couldn't find it. And I said, yes, it is, so I called up the PowerPoint that I had done at that presentation. And I said, do you remember when I talked about this? And they said, yeah, and I said, it's, it's right after that, you know, and they said, no, it's not. <laughs> so for the first time, I went and put a copy of the DVD from our inventory in, and, and sure enough, it wasn't there. And the conference coordinator had edited it out uh, because he thought, ah, this can't be true, you know. Um, so. Before I get into this uh, stunning subject, let me mention a couple of important principles. First of all, just because you've never heard something before doesn't mean it's not true. And secondly, just because something is new to you doesn't mean it hasn't been known for a long time, (laughs) for decades, and such is the case with geoengineering. Um, So to really understand geoengineering, you have to understand the relationship between global warming or climate change and that movement and geoengineering because they're inseparably linked. Uh, So there's no doubt that the climate is changing, but the question is why, how, and by whom? But you see these global climate summits of course over the last really 40 years in in earnest, Um, but ever since the one in Copenhagen uh, where documents were secretly released several years ago during the climate summit in Denmark, uh, it's been basically no longer a question that the whole alleged anthropological uh, uh, climate change is a made up farce. It's a means to an end. It's a Hegelian dialectic. It's they've created a problem so that they can then create the solution. And it's only going to get worse if the Lord tarries is coming in the, in the next few years. It's really hyping up. Because they want you to believe that, th- that this global, global warming is an existential threat to humanity and we've got to do something And it's almost gonna get to the point, it wouldn't surprise me if they basically say we need, you know, two billion of you to take one for the team and step up to the gas chamber and die so that the existence can continue on. I'm not kidding. I mean, I think that's really uh, what they're going on. But um, Satan and his co-conspirators are seeking to accomplish many things through this deception of climate change. Obviously, these include money, power, control, and eugenics and death. Using various scientific and technological means, the Luciferian global elites can cause excessive rain in some regions while producing drought in other regions to subjugate people and manipulate markets. That's why we're seeing extreme weather patterns, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, There are all kinds of other things they can do with this geoengineering, all under the guise of saving the planet. So we've got uh, the UN, obviously, and the World Economic Forum, and all these other globalist agencies, you know, just trying to convince us that this is a serious, serious problem. And if we'll just, you know, give them all of our money, they'll save us. That's essentially uh, what they're saying. So what is geoengineering? Well, it's real, it's widespread, it's openly admitted, and it's very, very dangerous. It goes by several different names, the average person probably hasn't heard of these terms, but it's solar radiation management or SRM, climate intervention, weather modification, chemical ice nucleation, sprayed particulate trails, atm- atmospheric aerosol saturation, stratospheric sulfate aerosols, and carbon dioxide uh, removal. Um, even mainstream media uh, is now, you know, admitting it all over the place. There's just, it's right there in, uh, in your face. Um, in this article here from 2017, Harvard scientists announced the launch of 20 million dollar geoengineering program um, to try to stave off the soaring global temperatures. This is CIA director uh, John Brennan. Uh, he was director of the CIA from 2013 to 2017 and served as chief counterterrorism advisor to US President uh, Barack Obama. He said another example is the array of technologies Uh, uh, often referred to collectively as geoengineering that could potentially help reverse the warming effect of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat. He goes on, this is by the way during a speech at the CFR, CFR is everywhere, on the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter the weather pattern and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Indeed, it has. There have been smaller nations at the UN that have voiced objections to the U.S. and China and Russia using geoengineering. They said, wait a minute, you're causing drought all across our country. Shut up and be quiet. We don't need to hear from you. That's what they say. A scientific American says geoengineering is a planetary scale intervention or tinkering with planetary processes. And I love the graphic they used with that article. Um, James Roger Fleming, in his book Fixing the Sky The Checkered History of Weather and Climate Control, said the term geoengineering refers to the intentional large scale manipulation of the global environment or planetary uh, tinkering. And so. Uh, This is an Oxford geoengineering study that you can find online. Notice in the top right corner there, they show a plane retrofitted with uh, spray nozzles, and they talk about releasing aerosol particles into the stratosphere. On any given day, there are 3,000 planes, military and commercial, flying and spraying things in the sky. It's gotten to be now where it is the rare exception when you look up and don't see the... uh, geoengineering taking place. We took some pictures on our drive here uh, of some really massive ones. and I'm gonna show you some other pictures in just a moment. Here's from the Royal Society, which is a fellowship of many of the world's most eminent scientists and one of the oldest scientific academies (coughs) in continuous existence, talking about different means of geoengineering. Notice again, up here, what they're saying they're doing is uh, spraying things, nanoparticles, uh, barium, strontium, aluminum, in, this, in the air, allegedly, again, it's never about what it's about, but to reflect the sun's rays, to stop global warming. Right? Uh, this is from Encyclopedia uh, Britannica, which of course is by no means a bastion of conservative uh, literature, but it, it nevertheless exposes what's going on. There you see it again, You know where they're spraying, actually my, I can't fix it right now, but my slide is off, my circle is off there, but you can see it in the stop right up there where they're spraying things from that uh, commercial uh, jet. Uh, so I wanna give you a couple of quotes just to begin to put this in historical context. So a lot of the uh, solar radiation management that we see happening now by spraying these particulates, it's, just, it's ubiquitous. Everywhere you look, you see it. And it's extremely dangerous. They've done soil samples, water samples. It gets in your lungs. It is, it is a part of the eugenics depopulation Program, uh, but this this is that's that part of it's relatively new, uh, even though as I said I've been talking about it for ten years. Um, I tell the story in the book about uh, the day that a, uh, b- a postal carrier, uh, when we lived in uh, Illinois, uh, we had a big uh, property and and our driveway was probably you know a thousand feet or so from the curb, and so the. Uh, um, it was unusual for the mail carrier to come to the door, but she came to the door this time, knocked on the door, handed me the mail, uh, and she said, this is gonna sound strange, but I, I just had to ask, ask somebody, ha- have you guys noticed what they're spraying in the sky? And I was delighted, because I was already researching all this by this time. It was like, couldn't have been a more tailor-made question. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I have, and I've written a book that talks about it, in my first book, uh, uh, Great Last Day's Deception. And so I began to talk to her about it and gave her some information. And she was so relieved that she wasn't seeing things because she said, you know, I drive around all day delivering and I look up and they're just constantly spraying stuff all over the sky from horizon to horizon and X's and checkerboards. And then it dissipates and covers the sky in this hazy cloud. Um, So uh, I want to, but I want to put this in perspective and show you that manipulating the weather and manipulating the climate and toying with the planetary systems has been in the works for many, many, many years. So the first clip is from uh, JFK at the UN General Assembly, September 25th, 1961. And then the second clip is from May 27th, 1962, when then Vice President LBJ presented the graduation address at his alma mater, Southwest Texas State University, now known as Texas State University, in San Marcos. Uh, So just kind of listen to these clips. The first one here is just about 23 seconds. This is JFK at the UN. Mr. President, honored delegates, ladies and gentlemen, we shall propose further cooperative efforts between all the nations in weather prediction and eventually, in weather control. So I didn't put the text on there. So obviously, there's a misspelling there on "in visions." But he says we shall propose cooperative efforts between all the nations in eventually weather control. And that's what they're doing now, in plain sight. Uh, in the Beijing Olympics, they they have a whole office of weather control. And the, a reporter asked them, you know, hey, aren't you worried about snow? And they said, no, no, we've we control all of that. When we want it to snow, it'll snow. When we want it to not snow, it won't snow, right? More on that in a moment. <laughs> Here's LBJ at uh, the graduation commencement address. Think about that kind of communication and think about the opportunity that will provide. Whitley is the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit He who controls the weather will control the world. He's talking about some satellite technology that they were using, and he said it's going to lay the foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather controls the world, right? Uh, LBJ, when he became president in 1965, in an address to Congress, said this generation has altered the composition of the atmosphere on a global scale through a steady increase in carbon dioxide from the burning of fossil fuels. You think the global warming crisis is new? This has been a drum they've been beating forever. This is 1965. So to address the problem, his science advisor suggested spreading reflective particles over 13 million square kilometers of the ocean in order to reflect an extra 1% of sunlight away from the Earth. They've been thinking about this stuff for a long time. In fact, uh, you could go back to Operation Popeye. Uh, This was during uh, the Vietnam War. You can see members of the 54th Weather Reconnaissance Squadron. Um, And basically what they were doing there was making it rain, extending the monsoon season over the Ho Chi Minh Trail, an average of 30 to 45 days. This was initiated, by the way, by Henry Kissinger at the time and the CIA without any input or even knowledge from the Secretary of Defense. So here during a war, they're doing these experiments ostensibly to aid us and give us an advantage in the war, but basically they were controlling the rain, you know, Operation Popeye. But even before that, uh, we see things like Project Cirrus in 1947, Project Snow Fury from 1962 to 1983 where they were steering hurricanes, you know, yeah, you, you know, I'm digressing here, but the the weather is has changed dramatically. The reporting of weather, I mean, the weather has too, obviously, but the reporting of the weather over the last couple of decades, and now um, they all are signing confidentiality agreements, not, you know, to, you know, facing steep penalties if they disclose some of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes by NOAA, um, and they. Uh, you know, they're, they're you know, you, you, like hurricanes. We lived in the southeast of Texas for a while in Houston. And, you know, the, I grew up with hurricanes. And I grew, went to high school and college there. And now the way they report them is different. You know, they've got what they call that spaghetti model. You know, you've seen that where they've got sometimes 10 or 15 different lines and they pass it off as like, our technology is so great now. We have all of these incredible algorithms that can kind of tell us where they might go. Well, no, that's because they don't know where they're going until they're steered where they want them to go. Um, And they can do that. There was a uh, regional, I forget what their title is in Canada, but a regional leader, not governor, but basically the equivalent of a governor in a province of Canada who spoke out very harshly against the pandemic uh, uh, medical tyranny that was taking place. And uh, so they created fires and destroyed most of the forest around his area. It's a weapon. All of these fires that you see, you think those are organic? Almost never. Now sometimes, yeah, somebody throws a cigarette out the window, it starts a fire. That can happen, it does happen. But a lot of it is uh, manipulated. So yeah, they've been steering hurricanes for ever. This is nothing, nothing new. Um, you know, this is uh, MIT technology talking about weather engineering in China. How the Chinese plan to modify the weather in Beijing during the Olympics. Again, it's plain sight. This is from 2008. Uh, Business Insider, uh, this is from 2016. China spent millions on a shady project to control the weather ahead of the Beijing Olympics, and dozens of other countries are doing it too. They have, as I mentioned, a Beijing Weather Modification Office. (laughs) You can look it up. Interesting article, so we see Russia doing it. Uh, geoengineering solar radiation management field experiments. Uh, from April 6, 2010, a Scientific American article. What is geoengineering and why it is considered a climate, why is it considered a climate change solution? Here's one, geoengineering could turn the skies white. They absolutely turn the sky, skies white, right? Uh, This article, geoengineering is not a solution to climate change. UN blocks UN resolution on geoengineering. (laughs) Um, Here's one from PBS, will geoengineering cool the planet? To cool the planet, harm the crops? Yes, (laughs) it absolutely is harming them. Um, A popular science magazine has an entire department and section dedicated to reporting on geoengineering. In the book, I list several more articles than I've got here uh, because I went back and looked, even dug a little deeper. But it's things like, geoengineers will release tons of sun reflecting chemicals into the air above New Mexico. Or climate fixing scheme to seed the seas with iron may not work. Or rogue geoengineer dumps 100 tons of iron off Canada's west coast. Or cloud seeding could cool off seas where hurricanes form, making them weaker. Uh, These are all actual articles from popular science. Most people are in favor of wild geoengineering projects. Geoengineering, are weather machines really the answer? How about this? Bill Gates' hidden dreams of geoengineering revealed. That's actually a pretty old article, I can't remember the date, but it's in the book. Bored with PCs, Bill Gates sets his sight on controlling the weather. How Earth-scale engineering can save the planet. So we've seen all kinds of incredible climate changes. Where I live up in uh, near Denver in Colorado, one day uh, in 2020, we saw at 3 o'clock it was 94 degrees. This was in September, from September 7th to September 8th. In 18 hours, it dropped 65 degrees, and this kind of stuff just doesn't happen routinely. You know, records that are the oldest records on record, since they started keeping records, are being shattered routinely now, right? Um, So, you know, the weather is scheduled, not forecasted. So this is what we're talking about. This is the geoengineering, or the solar radiation management, where they're spraying things uh, in the clouds. And so it's time to to acknowledge the elephant in the sky and look up (laughs) from time to time. So a lot of these pictures are pictures that I've taken over the years. This is one I took in 2018. By the way, this is not what partly cloudy is supposed to look like. That was a sunny day. Yeah, that was actually a sunny day. So It's happening every day, almost wherever you are, you'll see it, and it's extremely dangerous. These are diseases associated to nanoparticle exposure. Um, You know, aluminum-coated fiberglass nanoparticles, barium, strontium, other heavy metals, um, causes all kinds of poisoning. And yet, geoengineering is not just about controlling the weather. Again, going back to Brzezinski who talked about conducting secret warfare and weather modification. Right. Here's Defense Secretary William Cohen uh, at a uh, Department of Defense news briefing in 1997 where he's speaking about the threat of terrorism and he said some scientists are in, in their laboratories are trying to devise certain types of pathogens that would be ethnic specific so that they could just eliminate certain ethnic groups and races. This is at a DOD press conference. Uh, Others are designing some sort of engineering, some sort of insects that can destroy specific crops. Others are engaging even in eco-type of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes and volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. Now do you really think if a bunch of rogue twenty-something, you know, terrorists living in a cave in Afghanistan can do this that our military can't and isn't doing it. Why is he talking about it? Because he knows very well that it's possible. So you know, we see these kinds of incredible fires and the onslaught of of the devastating fires in California and Colorado and elsewhere, do you think those are an accident? Well, uh, this article talks about how the aluminum dust from geoengineering is fueling super wildfires. Unprecedented levels of aluminum and barium nanodust, primary components in solar radiation management spraying, both of which are incendiary, are fueling the ferocity of the super wildfires. Fires. Millions of tons of aluminum and barium are being sprayed almost daily across the U.S., according to this author a former naval officer and UCLA graduate. Sounds like a conspiracy theorist to me. Just sprinkle aluminum or barium dust on a fire and see what happens. It's near explosive. When wildfires break out, the aluminum barium dust results in levels of fire intensity so great as to cause firefighters to coin a new term, "fire NATOs, they call it. Now, I mean, I'm not a historian, but I'm pretty sure fire has been around a long time. And now we're coining new phrases to describe it. Here's a retired U.S. Air Force Brigadier General General Charles Jones who says, these white aircraft spray trails are the result of scientifically verifiable spraying of aluminum particles and other toxic heavy metals, polymers, and chemicals. And so a lot of people have made the connection between, the, for example, the declining in the honeybee population in recent years and all of this spraying. Other trees that are dying from mysterious diseases and turning different colors. Um, but uh, you know, this has catastrophic effects. When you do such a planetary global tinkering with the climate on that huge of a scale, just experimenting, you know, all under the guise of global warming. It's no different than when you experiment with SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, which we've never had a severe acute respiratory syndrome vaccine before ever. We know how one for SARS-CoV-1 to this day, it's been over 20 years. But we managed to throw one together in just a few months and get people to to take it. And now we wonder why people are dying by the tens of thousands. Geoengineering, geoengineering. So you need to be familiar with that. Again, we have a whole uh, chapter on that in the book. But what does God's word say about all of this? On the third day of creation, God created all of the seeds necessary to sustain life. God created all of the foods and seeds perfect just like they are. Every fruit has its own seed in it and farmers can take those seeds and replant them for free in order to grow next season's crop. But companies like Monsanto have come along and created so-called terminator seeds where after just one harvest the seeds are infertile and can't be replanted. It's like abortion for the seed. So the farmers contracted to go back to Monsanto and buy new seeds every season. Colossians chapter 1. God has set natural universal laws in place in order to hold the universe together by His power. In Him all things consist. And attempting to modify the universe and the weather through geoengineering is an attempt yet again to usurp God's authority and control over creation. So just like they want to control life and create life, they want to control the environment, right? And, uh, but, and they're doing a pretty far down the road at doing it. Man, following Satan's lead, wants to usurp God's authority and be like God. Geoengineering is a satanically-fueled plot involving Satan and his co-conspirators designed to destroy man and God's creation. Just one of many ways satan has plotted to destroy us the prophet nahum said the lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked the lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm over and over again the bible reminds us that god is the one who controls the climate god's the one who controls the weather he alters the climate at his discretion and his purpose so as i've said many times i'm sure you've heard this too we do believe biblically in global warming because someday the, the planet's gonna burn up and be destroyed. God makes that clear, 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, ultimately, Satan and his co-conspirators will be the ones that are destroyed, even though they're trying to destroy us and to destroy the earth. Notice he says uh, that, you, that they should destroy those who destroy the earth. It's hard to know when this is gonna happen, but it's definitely uh, going to happen. Uh, false flags, we'll close out with uh, this one. Uh, actually, yeah, we might have time for one more. Uh, false flags, so false flags are uh, you know, similar to the Galien dialectic, it's commonly taught in the American War College, two <coughs> typical techniques, false flag and stand down operations. Uh, so we see a lot of this. I mentioned the Gulf of Tonkin incident, other manufactured terrorism, I talk about the explosion of the USS Maine and the Spanish-American War in the book when famously uh, William Randolph Hearst said, you furnish the pictures and I'll furnish the war. I give the whole backstory about that uh, in the book. Herman Gehring said, the people can always be brought to do the bidding of the leaders. Tell them they are being attacked and denounce the peacemakers for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It is the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it is always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it is a democracy or a fascist dictatorship or a parliament or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to do the bidding of the leader. So fear is, a, is always a very powerful motivator for the Luciferians, uh, and it's, you know, they just sit back and laugh as they see people doing things based on fear. then I'll uh, close out with the false uh, left-right paradigm. We've talked a lot about it. And uh, basically I can summarize the teachings of this with one slide, you know. God's not an American. Sorry to be the purveyor of bad news. Uh, God is not an American. He's not a Republican either, okay. Um, And so, uh, you know, we know that uh, it's time for Christians to stop, you know, looking through the lens of American exceptionalism and instead see our country through the lens of Scripture, right? It's fine to be proud of our country. I'm proud of our country. I'm so thankful that God allowed me and my family to be raised in this country where we have the freedoms that we have. But that doesn't entitle us to somehow think that we're beyond the Luciferian corruption that is everywhere in this world. It's a global conspiracy. And uh, if you don't think it's reached into the you know, to the White House and other aspects of our government, uh, you just are kidding yourself. Um, So it's a fake left-right paradigm. If you uh, think back to my Carol uh, Quigley quote, that, you know, they can, uh, you know, uh, create this uh, one group on the left, one group on the right, so that we have the impression that this group really stands for us, and every four years, if we don't like what they're doing, we can throw the rascals out and so forth, but actually it's a one-way street, right? Um, the real leaders of this country are a Luciferian oligarchy. Most of them are controlled. Doesn't mean there's not good people from time to time. It doesn't mean we don't occasionally see good things happen, right? Um, but they've given us the illusion of choice, the illusion of, uh, of choice. I like to call this Calvinistic voting, right? Um, you know, uh, take your pick, you know, left or the right, which, which, uh, which, which do you want? Uh, people have asked me about my personal convictions. Well, here's how I'm voting, you know. Just, uh, uh, they think that the United States is a depravity-free zone and that in particular, Washington, D.C. is a tyranny-free zone. But nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, never forget what Benjamin Franklin said. Democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. Liberty is a well-armed lamb contesting uh, the vote." So the average age of the world's greatest civilizations from the beginning of history has been about 200 years. And during those 200 years, nations have progressed generally through the following sequence, according to Alexander Tyler's life cycle of nations, from bondage to spiritual faith, from spiritual faith to great courage, from courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy to dependence and from dependence back into bondage. And I wonder where we are in that, uh, in that process. All right, uh, any questions as we wrap up the day? We're pretty much right on schedule. Yes, ma'am. How do you differentiate between contrails and spraying? Well, first of all, uh, most uh, the people that would know say that now most of the modern jets are made to where they don't do contrails at all. Number one, they just they're not. That's an old school thing. Secondly, contrails don't get turned off and on, and we've got plenty of video evidence of these things spraying, stop spray, stop spray, stop spray. That's not the way contrails work, but. Uh, The best resource uh, on this from the side of those that are doing our best to sound the alarm about the dangers of it to human health is geoengineeringwatch.org, geoengineeringwatch.org, and I talk about that in the book. But yeah, there's no question these are not contrails. For one thing, contrails, even when they existed, would trail behind the plane, staying at a static length and very quickly dissipate. These are massive sp- sprays of nanoparticles that just get expand over time and eventually cover the whole cloud. Mm-hmm. So just look up sometimes. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing it right now, but you'll see. Typically, it's either an X or uh, checkers. Like, and, and by the way, planes don't generally fly that way. You know, planes are not flying all over the place right into each other. It's just not the way it works. And they're not flying in that same proximity to time. When's the last time you looked up and saw more than one plane in the sky at the same time? I mean, occasionally, but certainly not five or six. <laughs> and so they're not leaving these contrails there for hours on end. Uh, and even if there were multiple planes, they're not flying, you know, directly into each other in that way, right? So yeah, these are no question these are not contrails. That's, that's what the government said. By the way, this is one of those things where they said, kind of like UFOs, for years and years and years, of course this is, we're not spraying anything. How ludicrous is that? What are you, a conspiracy theorist tinfoil nutcase? We're not spraying anything. And then all of a sudden gradually they said, of course we're spraying stuff. We've been spraying it for years. We're trying to save the planet, you idiot. Don't get in our way. We're spraying stuff every day. It's called geoengineering and solar radiation management. And I just showed you all the articles and the companies that have government contracts and patents to create the sprays and stuff. So. Yeah, it's, it's clearly deception of the worst kind, but not contrails for sure. Yes? On Lake where? Lake Powell. I'm not, r- refresh my memory. I, I don't remember that story. What's? It's the record low, and power plant that really about down the Yeah, Lake Powell with the, the uh, record lows and the power plant. Yeah, you're seeing that all over the place, uh, the devastating effects of of drought, but that's by design. They want to starve people so that we have no choice but to come to the government for rations. And that's why Bill Gates has been buying up all this farmland so he can control, he's now the single uh, largest owner, private owner of land in the United States of America. Uh, So, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, it's a diabolical uh, plan, but I'm quite certain there's a connection between the lowering water levels at Lake Powell and, and geoengineering. Yeah, everywhere. Lake Mead. Somebody else. Yes. Do the Luciferians openly admit that they're Luciferians? Are they like proud of it? Oh, yeah. yeah, Yeah, do the Luciferians openly admit that they're Luciferians? Absolutely. They dedicate their books to Him. They pray to Him. They worship Him. They talk about Him. That's their label for themselves. You know, there's some question biblically whether the term Lucifer used in Isaiah 14 is actually... Satan contextually, uh, it almost doesn't matter because words are defined by usage and over the years it's become a a synonym for Satan. Uh, I do tend to think it does refer to Satan in Isaiah 14, but that really doesn't matter because that's their term for him. They call themselves Luciferians and they openly admit they're worshiping him and taking their marching orders for it. We've seen a couple of quotes in this conference from Walter Cronkite saying, hey, I'm I'm happy to sit beside Satan. And uh, you know, uh, Rockefeller and uh, Saul Alinsky were dedicating his book to Lucifer. So, so yeah. they would say they're not Christian, they're Luciferian. Oh, absolutely. The, the, especially the top tier. Now, as I showed in that diagram, it was in a previous presentation, but uh, a lot of them don't necessarily know that they're part of a Luciferian agenda. They have other lower level agendas. Maybe it's wealth or power or sex or whatever and they don't necessarily connect the dots to the top level to think that you know to realize yeah these people at the top are the ones sacrificing children drinking blood and worshiping Satan so not everybody involved is in the know but a good the top level all is and a good number of the second level are very much in the know and yeah they make no bones about it yeah anybody else yes How is this knowledge supposed to affect our living our Christian life? Well, uh, we are supposed to be aware. Proverbs 22, 3 says, And be prepared. He who sees trouble coming should prepare for it. Uh, So we're violating Scripture if we ignore what's coming down the pike and not prepared for it. So again, but I realize this is not for everybody. So that's why I said at the beginning, you know, if you you don't care that we're all systematically being killed and they're trying to usher in a one-world satanic system, then... You know I, that that that's your personal choice, but uh, my the Bible I read says we are absolutely supposed to be prepared when we see trouble coming. And I, for my sake, of my children and my grandchildren, I want to do. I want to fight to the last day. They're going to shoot me in the back. You know they're not going to. I'm not going to stand up at, in front of the ditch and have them shoot me so that I conveniently fall into the grave and it makes it easier for them to bury me. They're going to shoot me in the back for sure. Anybody else? Yeah. Bill Gates doesn't have my farm, farm uh, loan credit does. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates doesn't have my farm, farm loan credit does. Yeah. No, I, uh, I tell you, it's, uh, it's frightening what, because uh, they, they come at you from the banking side too, there's no doubt. Um, interest rate, I mean, who knows? Someone asked me at lunch today, what do I think is coming next? Or, you know, and boy, if I knew that, I man, I wouldn't be speaking here. I'd be preparing somewhere, buying something. But my best guess uh, is it seems like certainly within the next few years is what their target is. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see another major event like the pandemic, whether it's a, another stage pandemic or whether it's uh, some other false flag or something before November. Uh, I think that would really create a panic and create another opportunity for fear to motivate people to, to do whatever their pre-planned agenda is. So I think the next year is going to be really pivotal. But again, who knows? We don't have the mind of the Lord, and He's sovereign, and He may put an end to it all, and we may have another hundred years of revival. Did you have another question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, fear, fear is not of the Lord, so God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if if uh, and I know people that this has that they've responded this way, they become aware of what all is happening and they just become terrified. So they drop out of society, they, they go live in a bunker, and they're not being productive. They're not sharing Christ with others. They're not trying to live their lives. Um, so I think to allow it to cripple you would be a mistake. To ignore it would be a mistake. So I think. What you have to do is um, be aware of it. There's a difference between being prepared and being scared. Uh, Take natural preparations. You know, anybody today that doesn't have, you know, long-term, storable food, access to water. uh, I mean, you need food, water, and and protection. You know, both security protection and physical, like, house, to be warm in the winter and a place for shade in the summer. At its root, that's what everybody needs. Food, water, and protection. And so you need to think through, you know, what if something did happen? What if they did pull out the stops and your, you know, enter into the end game tomorrow with an EMP, like somebody said, or uh, some other event? If Most people in our country, if they couldn't get to Walmart, would be dumpster diving in two to three days. <laughs> so I think biblical preparedness is a biblical concept, and I think uh, you ought to be thinking through long-term strategies, all the what-ifs. If you're in a metropolitan area that's not safe, you need to have a bug out place. If you you need food, long-term storable food, you need access to water. So either a good filtration system and walking access to a lake, pond, river, some some body of water or a hand crank well or something. Because if you're only relying on municipal water, then all they gotta do is turn that off. If you're only relying on municipal gas, if they turn that off, can you stay warm? So I think thinking through those things, we have a document that I've used in my series on what in the world's going on uh, on preparedness that if anybody would like it, email me and I'll send it to you. Uh, It's several pages long of just some things to think about in terms of preparedness. Um, But uh, what you don't wanna do is do nothing and act like everything's okay, and, and nor do you wanna panic because we have nothing to panic about. I mean, if it's our time, it's our time, but at the same, we want to take practical, you know the people that survived World War II and the Hitler regime were the ones that saw it coming ahead of time. And so they kind of moved out. You know it's 1938 they're thinking hmm, Dad why are we moving out of out of here? Oh, I just feel the Lord leading us. Well it's because they were they had their finger on the pulse they could see what was coming. And so it's the ones that were caught off guard who ended up on on the trains, and so we see human history, we see this again and again and again, but it's not that far in the past. World War II was, you know, 80 years ago, right? So, somebody else, I thought I saw another hand, yeah. So I'll, I'll, if you'll email me, pick up my card from other, I'll send you the list that's got all kinds of food items on it, as well as other supply items and things to think about. Um, but there are there are good companies out there. Actually, right now, because of all the volatility in the world over the last two years, it's actually very hard to get. Uh, but you can get it. But you want to check expiration dates. You want to find make sure you're not buying it from some place that's reselling it, because most long-term store food has a 20-year shelf life. But if it's already been on the shelf for 15 years, you know, you want to make sure about that. So there's some things to look there was into. A meal found in this yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back when they used to put them in styrofoam boxes, especially, those things will last forever. Uh, but no, uh, you know, uh, you can you can do your own too. You know, uh, 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 rice, beans things that has long-term shelf life, peanut butter, um, canned goods, um, those types of things. Of course, the best thing is you know have a garden, but you, even that, you know, when the, with what they're spraying and stuff, you cannot guarantee that you're gonna be able to do that unless you have like a greenhouse or something. But you just need to think about these things because it's very possible that in our lifetime and possibly very soon, life as we know it may change I mean, that's what they're talking about. You saw all those quotes from Klaus Schwab, they want to change things, like quickly. So our normal routine of being able to go to the grocery store or even being able to go anywhere. I mean, we saw it a little bit in the, in the dry run of uh, the early days of COVID, remember? Uh, you couldn't go out, you couldn't, everything was shut down, you couldn't travel, you couldn't. So it was an eerie feeling. What if that was the norm? What? What's that? Yeah, it was a test, and we've seen lots of those kinds of tests through the years. Anybody else? Yeah. Have you ever been received threats from making people aware? Have I ever received threats? No, I've felt I've gotten pushback. You know, from not but not threats. I felt like sometimes when we were doing some of these things, felt particularly. Uh, like I could be threatened, and so, like when we did the What in the World's Going on series, which was eight consecutive weeks, uh, it's the only time in my life I've carried while preaching, just because, you know, there's a lot going on, and I didn't want someone busting through the back door, because they do that, you know, and I'm not near influential enough to be on anybody's radar, but it, it didn't doesn't take much. Someone could say something to somebody, and then just for sport, they say, "Well, we'll take that little peon out." So that was the only time I really felt when I was really hammering on the whole pandemic thing, uh, what in the world's going on was that series. Um, other than that, no, I really, I really haven't. You know, I haven't, I'm trying to think if I've even gotten any like anonymous things, I really haven't. Um, most, of the fe- most of the criticism that I've received has been from be- other believers, you know. And when I speak at conservative conferences like tea party places and stuff like that where people may or may not be a believer, Uh, It's always well-received, but it's when I speak at Christian conferences where I've been lambasted, especially if I criticize Trump, you you know, I mean, if people cared more about the return of Christ than they did the return of Trump, man, revival would break out overnight, you know, so anybody else? Awesome. You've been so awesome. This has really been a delight uh, and look forward to tomorrow. Now, tomorrow we're going to do an exposition of Genesis 3 and talk about ways that we can see deception coming and hedge ourselves uh, against it. So I hope you'll come out for worship tomorrow. And we'll answer any questions, not just about this stuff, but any kind of eschatology question, any question uh, during the Q&A tomorrow. So thank you guys very much.